Jesus, we, we recognize that you're alive and that you're with us right now. Holy Spirit, help us to learn from the Master this morning. To surrender our own thoughts, agenda, our own will, and to hear from you, our Father. Thank you, God. When I was 10 years old, I went to what I remember as the first funeral, and it was for uh, my grandfather's second wife. Her name was Mabel. My grandmother died when I was four or five from breast cancer. I think my grandfather was in his 50s, so she died pretty young. I never really knew her. And then about five years later, he remarried uh, to this wonderful, uh, just dear woman named Mabel. And uh, about six months into their their marriage, she died of a heart attack. It was just crushing to our family, and especially my grandfather, you know, after uh, you know, losing his, his first wife, and then him, you know, remarrying, and the marriage just being such a, a, a like, a, a light to our family, you know, and I just remember she, uh, I, I distinctly remember this one memory of her having myself and my sister and two of our cousins over to bake cookies, and just doing the grandmother thing, you know, which we hadn't, we hadn't had. And so I, I, re- I vaguely remember that, that funeral. And I can, I can picture that, you know, the building and kind of the rows of chairs where they had it. I think it was probably an old church. And, you know, people just weeping, you know, my, as a kid, just not fully understanding, but kind of getting it and just watching my aunt and uncles and my parents sobbing and, hugging each other at the front of this building. and You know, what made it so hard and such a loss for all of us was her kindness and her love. That was really her legacy. And if there was a word that I can think of to describe who she was in my limited, you know, 10-year-old experience, it was warmth. It's the warmth of a smile Glad to be with you, to see you, just tender and caring. And, and that really was her legacy. You know, that was what was mourned at that service, was the loss of, of who she was and the meaning to us. Um, we've been going through this book of Hebrews these past couple months, and the, the, the way we've been capturing the idea in this book is, is hold on to the hero. The people that are receiving this letter are going through a really hard time. Uh, world turned upside down, and, and the author of this book is encouraging them to hold on to Jesus. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in our world. This has not been an easy couple of years in so many ways. There's been so much loss uh, in our lives. And <clears throat> we come to this chapter, this is probably the, the most well-known passage in this book. Um, and it's really talking about the legacy of those that have held on in really difficult circumstances down through the ages. And today, we're going we're gonna to kind of see what brings these two things together of Jesus is the hero 
and the Savior of the world and the ultimate you know, champion and this call to hold on to him. And as we read this passage today, we're going to hear what it was that allowed them to live a life that was left a, a legacy that was commended by God himself. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews 11. Um, or you can just listen. That's wonderful as well. That's how the ancients would have done it. Okay? It'll be on the screen too. They wouldn't have done it that way. No. Okay. All right, this is Hebrews 11. And, and the way I'm going to do this today, just to give you a grid, is I'm going to read a little bit and then, and then kind of talk through some of these different sections in this. Okay? Hebrews 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is what the ancients were commended for, is faith. Now, why is that? Why is it that faith is what they receive this acknowledgement for? Why, why is it that faith is what stands out and makes the difference so that God sees their life and he honors it? Well, what is faith? The first sentence is trying to answer that question. I mean, why does it matter so much? Why is faith, according to this passage, why is it the game changer? Now the passage says it's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Another translation says the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The good old King James Version says it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another translation, the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Something to do with this hope, confidence, conviction about what is real, even though it it may not have been realized. Now, it's interesting that this passage does not say love. I mean, that's kind of what would sum up my uh, grandfather's second wife, right? This wife of love. That is what we felt from her. And what made it so hard to lose her for us. It's kind of curious here that what the ancients were commended for was faith. Especially if, if you've read the Bible at all or been to a wedding where they've read that passage about love and it's not this and it's all these wonderful things. And you know these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, actually. You know, if love is what's the greatest... Why is it in the book of Hebrews we are hearing that the ancients are commended for their faith? Well, one other thing that we know from uh, another verse in the Bible that kind of makes an interesting point. Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith, which expresses itself in love. Now what that means is this, right? 
Love flows out of a life of trust and surrender. When we trust God, when we believe in what He says and and put our faith in Him, like in this relationship with Him, if we're actually doing that, if it's real, and not just a fake religious facade of faith, like I live a really religious life, but it actually is an engagement with a person who we are surrendering our will and our life to, the fruit of that is always a life of love, which is the end goal, right, of imitating God. But we can't actually start there because we can't make ourselves love more. It has to be from this place of surrender and trust to God who then takes us along this journey to grow into His love. I know this is, this is getting a little heady. We've talked about it a lot. But this distinction is super important for us. The Christian life begins by faith. And it continues by faith. And it's, faith is the fuel. It's trusting and surrendering to the will of God in our lives of believing what He says and trusting Him as a person to lead us and to care for us and to do what He says that He will do and that His way and His path for your life is the best one possible. It is that surrender, that life that leads us into the the possibility of love. Guys, without that piece of surrender and faith, love just becomes something that we do. Faith means that we can't do it ourselves. It means we have to rely on someone else. If we start with love, the trap is, I can do it myself. I will live a good life. I will love the people around me. And that can, that can be a, a difficult place because it won't work. And we're just puffing ourselves up. The ancients are commended for faith because everything that is of God begins with faith. It begins with trust and surrender. Those are the two sides of the same coin. And here's the other thing. You can't actually receive the love of God unless you trust Him. If there's no trust, it's kind of like, okay, you do your thing up there and I'll try to do my thing down here and make you maybe happy with it. It doesn't work. There's no love exchange where there's not trust. All right, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. This is the first thing we got to believe. And for some people, this is a hard step. For many of us, sometimes it's a hard step. You may have been a Christian your whole life, and sometimes you're going, God, you still there? You really there? Is this real? It takes faith to believe that. There's no mathematical proof that has been written out or will ever be written out that will say God exists. QED. Anybody out there? QED? So, okay, okay, couple. Okay. Math nerds, thank you. 
It takes a step of faith to believe that God's there. And he has somehow set it up that way. Because it pushes us into relationship with him. Rather than just being able to hold answers. That's why God keeps things hidden sometimes. In the mystery, it's pushing us to a place of faith. Which is what he wants. He wants us just to trust him. Because he knows that when we do, that's where love flows. And there's a second little twist here on recognizing that God exists and He made everything. It means that you didn't make yourself. There's no such thing as a self-made man. He's holding everything together and you belong to Him. Your life was never yours. That's a scary thing and also an extremely freeing thing. If we can embrace it. Let me just, sorry, rabbit hole real quick. If you are feeling stuck or frustrated or discouraged about your life, it's time to die. Because the Bible says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it does, it springs up and produces life. When we cling to this life, when we declare it's our own, when we have to have our fulfillment and our needs met and the driving force of American life, that it's about me and even my own legacy, it results, guys, it doesn't bring the love of God. There has to be a recognition in believing that God exists and that He has created me and my life is not my own. So whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, It is well, because it's not mine. It's not mine. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I mean, what's the deal with Cain and Abel? You ever heard that story? The two brothers, one guy brings the lamb, the other guy brings the grain, and God goes, I don't really like grain. I like meat. The Bible doesn't really give much of an explanation of why Abel's offering was okay and Cain's was not. It just kind of moves on. The only clue we get in this passage is that somehow Abel's was an expression of trust. It was a relational connection. And he's commended. Enoch, what's he commended for? Why does death not even touch him? He trusts God. Without faith, it says in verse 6, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There it is again. Is God there? What's the reward for this life of risk? Is there one? You can't please Him if you don't trust Him. Um, man, I've used this so many times, but it's just my life right now. 
my back. So for the past almost two years, I've been struggling with this sciatica, and in just the past few weeks or month, whatever, it's come back. And earlier this summer, I felt like the Lord said, just trust me, and it will be better by the end of this year, and it will never bother you again. It's hard to believe when you feel like you, get, you, hit, you start to make some progress, and then all of a sudden, it's, the pain comes back. God's saying, what are you going to do? And what would you do, Brian, if it wasn't better at the end of the year? Even though you felt like you heard me say that. Guys, this is, this is where it gets real in your life. What are we going to believe? Because the foundation of all of that is the gospel. Not, you know, there's a personal sense that I have from the Lord or a word that I get from Him, but that is always run through the grid of Jesus which is that I am eternally loved every moment of my life. That God has a wonderful plan for my life. It may involve some pain. But that He is with me. And that the glory of knowing Him is meant to to obscure all of the tragedy and pain of our lives. God is calling us to trust Him and to enter into, guys, a bliss a wonderful bliss of being His children and living this beautiful, wonderful life in His presence. Again, yeah, lots of pain and suffering in there. But the glory, right, what does Paul say? The eternal weight of glory far outweighs the momentary and light affliction. You know, that light affliction of being shipwrecked three times and bit by a snake and given the 40 lashes minus one a, a couple times and being beaten and left for dead. You know, all those light and momentary afflictions that we're all going through. The Lord wants to push us and raise our level of expectation for what this life is meant to be. And the key is faith, guys. we got to believe that He's loving us every moment, that He's with us, that Jesus is victorious. And that He's alive. He's not just floating on a cloud somewhere. That Jesus is alive. That is the foundation of our faith. And that means if He's alive, then He's with me right now. And, and my whole journey is one of believing that so that I, can, that I can grow into this life of loving exchange with God and other people. By sensing His presence, hearing His voice more and more every day of my life. We need each other to challenge what we are believing about the circumstances in our life. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in a holy fear, built an ark to save his family. What a fool. What did he spend a hundred years building this crazy boat? Think about the financial expense. I mean, I'm doing a home renovation right now in a bathroom, and it's killing me. Think about building a boat that's like the size of, what is it, like two football fields or something? I don't know. I haven't done the math on that, okay? I mean, we, don't, we, we just read through this stuff, but we don't realize this dude is living a life, and all his neighbors are mocking him, and it's a huge expense. It's, it's like an, inc- an incredible undertaking. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham 
when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Ever feel like Abraham? You know where you're going? By faith he's made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with its foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Man. These guys, they're not commended for their, for, for their incredible lives of righteousness. Those, all that word is mentioned in there. But the main thing that this passage is getting at is that they trusted God and they walked forward even when they couldn't see where they were going. Even when they couldn't, we, they couldn't understand, maybe rationally, why it felt like God was leading them in this direction. One of the great enemies to a life of faith is the word but. Abraham had a but. I mean, God, I know you've, I know you've promised to give me a son. It's been like 10, 15 years now. I know you made this promise, but I'm not getting any younger, but nothing's happened in a decade. I just want to say, delete the but from your conversation in general. It's always negating what you've just stated. And oftentimes we, we do that with the promises of God for our own lives or from the Scripture. Man, I know God's saying this, and maybe we don't even say that word, but that's what's inside of us. But. Skipping down to verse 32. It's time to wrap up. What more shall I say? I do not have time, likewise, to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength through faith, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect." This is, this is what God commends us for. is a life of trust in Him, relationship to Him, that results in a life of love and obedience to Him. We don't start with obedience. We don't start with love. We start with trust. We start with surrendering our will to God. It all begins with surrender. That's the path to transformation. That's a path to a life that's lived, that's commendable by the Lord. Let's have the worship team come up. And we'll respond.
you saw a really uh, incredible example today of faith, of a couple that, that took a pretty big risk at the, at the initiation of God, of the heart of God for children. And now they're in a, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. Very vulnerable spot. And you just have to know that the Lord is commending them. And that more than that, He's with them. And guys, the, the, the way to faith The Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And you can take that as the Bible. Other people translate that as this kind of relational interchange, and it's it's both. We grow in trusting the Lord as we relate to Him, and we take that risk that we sense is from Him. And as we hear the Word and respond to it, and that's how we grow. So let's stand, and um, Lord, we want... We want to know you, Jesus. And we need your help to trust when we can't see. It's hard for us. I know you know that. So this is what I'm asking today, Lord. I just ask that you would come near. Jesus, you're alive and you're with us. And it's your presence with us, Lord, that's going to ignite faith in our hearts. So we pray that even in this moment, you would draw near. You would be speaking your word to ignite faith in our hearts to live for you and to live with you. Hey, if you need prayer, we're going to have some people up in the front. We'd love to pray with you. We'll sing one last song before we close.